Christ was born And God sent a salvation On this blessed Christmas morn Go tell it on the mountain See, I sought him night and day. I asked the Lord to help me, and he showed me the way. So go.
the risen one Jesus has overcome as long as I am breathing I'm gonna keep on singing Jesus the great I am Jesus the worthy church say amen. amen amen why don't you greet one or two people before you're seated this morning Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Come on. Jesus is born. It's good to be with you. Good to be in the house this morning. And uh, we want to welcome everyone who's in the room worshiping with us this morning. And of course, everyone who's worshiping online while they're traveling. And of course, on Pioneer Network. I want to jump right in this morning. We have so much planned for this service today. So I want to jump right into the message to help encourage us and strengthen us and uh, help us maybe see Christmas in a different light. But thanks for coming to church today. It's so good to celebrate with you and your family. Amen. If you've been in church a little bit, 
you, you might have heard about the story, the age-old story about the prodigal. And uh, I'm going to look at Luke 15 today. I'm not going to read it just for time's sake, but if you have a Bible, you can open up there and follow along with me. But I'm going to walk you through the story. And you might say, well, what does the prodigal have to do with Christmas? Well, a big part of the prodigal story is the great extremes that a father would go through to let his son know that the son is welcome home. Amen. Amen? And really, that's what Christmas is. It's all about the extremes that God would go to and went to to give his son so that you and I could know that we are welcome as a part of his family. Maybe today you're a lost son or a lost daughter running away from God. But hopefully I, I pray today that this story will speak to you. In Luke 15, in this text that we're going to walk through today, there's actually three different types of lost. How many of you know there's different types of lost? If you did it, you're about to. In this illustration, it gives us three different types and scenarios of loss. One of them is of a lost coin. Another one is of a lost sheep. And the third one is of a lost son. So it's important that we know today that there are differences in the way that these things are lost. That not everybody is lost the same. The first one we're going to look at in, in Luke 15 is the story of the lost coin. And this story is interesting because it tells of a woman who is missing a coin and it's somewhere lost in her house. Which is not lost like other lost because the coin is lost in her house. Have you ever lost something in your house? Like, you know it's there, you, you know it's present, you just can't find it. I was thinking the other day, at one point, uh, my daughter Judy had taken one of my, uh, my phone and was playing with it, and she was outside at one point and had come back inside, and I couldn't find my phone. So, of course, I'm doing the Google, uh, you know, find my phone thing, and it, it says it's across the street in this open field, and it's, it's pretty late at night, and I'm out there, uh, you know, with my wife's iPhone, looking for with a flashlight, trying to find it. And as soon as I get to where the dot is, the dot moves and says, no, it's like 10 feet over here. And back and forth. I mean, this went on for several hours. Finally, I gave up and I said, I just have to wait till daylight. And so I said, Judy, I really need you to tell me where this phone is. So she actually had opened up the heater vent in her floor and put it in there. It was fine. I got it. But the find my iPhone thing was way off. It's like close, but so far off, right? Maybe you've been there. And that's what this woman was going through when she lost the coin. The coin was there. It was present. It was in attendance, but it was still lost. Do you know you can lose your relationship with God and still be in church? Actually, in Luke 2, this happens in a different way, but happens to Mary and Joseph, of all people. Jesus is about 12 years old, and they had gone to Jerusalem for Passover, and it was a religious holiday, and after it was over, they left Jerusalem, and they were a few days traveled, the Bible actually says, and they looked around, and they realized they had lost Jesus. Now, think of that for a minute, because Mary was probably the closest person to Jesus on this earth. I mean, she carried him in her womb but she still lost him. She lost the connection. And it wasn't just for a minute. They had lost him for several days. 
I think that's interesting because sometimes it takes a while before we even notice our connection with God is severed. That there's a distance now between us and God. We tell ourselves that I'm good with God. Me and the big man upstairs, we're, we're good. But sometimes I think if we get in the quiet and the silence, I think our hearts would speak a different truth, that there's a connection that's broken and lost. And what I love about the story of the lost coin is what it teaches us is that you don't have to be an extravagant sinner to lose your relationship with Jesus. Mary and Joseph lost him in the midst of a religious holiday, in the midst of religious people, all doing religious activity, but they still lost him. Can I tell you as a preacher, I can still lose him because it's easy to go through motions. It's easy to do what we believe is right to do, but not have the connection. So the bottom line is this, this Christmas season amongst all of the Christmas celebrations that we have going on, I want to challenge you to not lose that closeness, that God connection with Jesus, where it's you and him. That if he disappeared, you'd know it. If you lost him, you'd know it. Notice again that the coin was lost in the house. This represents someone who's in the house, but their love for God has grown cold. Maybe they're just not as passionate or on fire for the things of God as they once were. Maybe there was a, a time when the things of God and worship services and hearing the gospel would excite them and warm their heart. But over time, different things happened. They're still present, but the years have worn away and eaten away at that passion. Listen, they're still in the house but their love has grown cold. Consider this, the coin was still in the house. It was still valuable. It was still of great worth. It just was no longer in circulation or being used. Why? Well, the story goes on to says the, the woman got her broom and began to sweep. And eventually she found that coin because dirt had covered that coin. And sometimes that's what happens. Fear hits us, worry hits us, disappointments hit us, bitterness, offense hits us, addiction maybe takes over, and before you know it, you find yourself buried underneath all of that stuff. But what you need to know today is you're still priceless to God, and you haven't lost your value. You're just covered under a bunch of stuff. So this woman got her broom and cleaned off all the dirt and rediscovered that beautiful coin. And that's my prayer today is if you're this type of lost, where you're lost but in the house, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do that for you. That he would clean away all the cobwebs and the dirt and the things, the worry, the challenges. The second thing we see in Luke is the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost sheep. Now, the sheep is lost, and this is interesting, because it lost its way by wandering off or drifting off. This wasn't a malicious thing for the sheep. It just got distracted. Sheep aren't that smart. Slowly and surely, it just began to drift away. 
And at some point in this little sheep's life, it looks up and it realizes there's no shepherd and there's no flock. There's nowhere, no one to be found. And it's very confused. It doesn't know how it got there. It wasn't an intentional thing. It just drifted away. Can I say there are a lot of people today who are that type of lost, who are like that lost sheep. They just wandered off. The sheep didn't want to be lost. It wasn't in the heart of the sheep to be away from the shepherd. You know you're a sheep today because if you're in a service like this, you often can hear the voice behind my voice. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. Amen. And immediately you become aware of your distance of the shepherd. But you know a sheep is a sheep because immediately it wants to get back to the shepherd. It wants to run home to the shepherd. But a non-sheep, they don't care about it. They don't care about being with the flock. They just are fine doing their own thing. But a sheep has in its nature this desire to get back to the shepherd. And the third thing is the lost son. So to help me illustrate the story of the lost son, I want you to check out this video story about a girl named Amanda. And I'll be back right after that. So there's this moment in the story of the prodigal son where the son finds himself in a pig pen. And in Amanda's story, it's clear that she's lost and she's in her own personal pig pen. She's surrounded by the smell and the stench of the wrong decisions that she's made. And she's just like that lost son. See, here's the difference. is sheep, the sheep wandered away. But the son walked away. The son made intentional decisions and choices. This wasn't an accident. The son knew exactly what he was doing when he said to the father, give me my inheritance. 
The story in Luke says he went to a foreign country and became actually a citizen of the foreign country. What that says to us is the son made a choice to live this way. He no longer cared about his father's house. He joined himself to this world and says, I don't want anything to do with that God stuff or that church stuff. And that's the difference between the lost sheep and the lost son. The sheep wandered away, but the son chose to walk away. So here we see Amanda and she clearly lost her way after making that decision. What I think is so interesting about this story is that the father never leaves to find the son. Another verse of scripture says that the shepherd will leave the 99 to find the one, the one who wandered away. But in the story of the prodigal son, the father never left to go find the son. Here's what I want to submit to you is you can't find a lost son or daughter. Someone who has intentionally made the choice. That knew what they were doing. They knew the direction that they were going, but they made the decision to walk away anyway. You can't negotiate with them. You can't give them a list of whys and how-tos. Sometimes we just have to let people find themselves. Actually, the verse says that in Luke 15. He says, the son came to himself. And when he came to himself, he said, I got to get out of this place. This isn't how I was designed to live. This isn't my destiny. I have to get back to the father's house. Never did the father go after the son until the son first took a step towards the father. The story in Luke would tell us that from the moment that the father saw the son from afar off, he got up and came running. All he had to see was the desire for his son to return. And that sprung him into action. The father, the Bible says, had a ring and a robe ready to give his son to cover the stench of his decisions and his past. The father covered all of that. All the son had to do was take a step towards the father. He threw a party for him. I love that because he didn't want to spend time focusing or in rehearsing the mistakes the son had made. Today, it's my prayer that some of us would come to ourselves and realize that there's more beyond how we're living. There's more that God has for us. He knows where you are, but he says, I'll come. But all you have to do is just take one step towards me. Amanda walked away, but her story doesn't end there. Let's continue her journey. I'm sure there's a lot more that I don't know. 
a lot of pain and hurt, the pressure that you're feeling. I don't claim to understand it all. But I do know that I miss my daughter. And so is your little one. So is your mother. Oh, I never reach the gate 
see the story of Amanda and what it teaches us is that just like the prodigal son, you can start bad and end good. Come on, somebody. You can start bad and end good. You can start messed up, but it doesn't have to stay that way. And maybe today your life doesn't look as you hoped it would look. Maybe your family or your dreams or you weren't raised in a good home. Or maybe even in church you tried the God stuff and you feel like Christians let you down. And you let those things push you away from your heavenly father. And I just came to you with this word for for Christmas for so many of us. That things can start bad but end really good. Actually there's a scripture in Haggai that says the glory of the latter house can be greater than the glory of the former house. The point is, it doesn't matter where you start. The point is, it's not over for you. The end of a thing can be greater than the beginning of something. Your life may have been one way, but it doesn't mean it has to finish that way. But just like the prodigal son, just like Amanda, how it ends is in your hands. What's your next step after today? Forget 2023. It's about over. What is 2024 going to look like for you? The boy in the story of the prodigal son made some decisions and took his life in the wrong direction. But notice what it says. He came to his senses. He tried it all and it didn't satisfy. It only left him broken and empty. And he came to himself because he knew where, where, excuse me, where real peace and real joy was. And he made the decision to come back home. He said, I'm walking away from the guilt, from the shame, and from the condemnation. He said, I know it started bad, but it can end good. Maybe today you're like that lost coin and you're lost in the house. Maybe you're like the lost sheep and somewhere you've just wandered away. Or maybe you like the lost son who made a decision to walk away. But you can come home this Christmas. The father was never sent to get the boy. The father never responded until the boy took a step towards the father. And when he did, man, that father came running. I want you to get this picture this Christmas. That you have a God in heaven who says, if you just take one step towards me, no matter how far off you are, I'll come running right where you are. That's what Christmas is. It's when Jesus left heaven. He left his home and he came to earth simply that he could call you and I home for Christmas. And that's the message of Christmas. In this final video, I want you to see that how Amanda started was bad, but she made a decision and it can end good. Let's watch together. I'd like to think that that story from the Bible, the one about the son who got angry with his father, a runaway who lost everything he once loved, but then realizes what he's lost and decides to come home. That that's us. Me and you. And the day you come home, I'll be there. 
I'll run it out to you and I'll hug you and I'll throw the biggest party that you've ever seen. I would be endlessly happy for you to be home. But I'm afraid it may not happen that way. The cancer has spread to my lungs and, and each day has become more and more difficult to endure. Part of why I'm writing this letter is just to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I might be gone before your return. But I still hope that you do with or without me. It may not be easy. It may feel like you don't belong anymore. We don't always get the chance to fix all the things that get broken in life. There's a whole world of I'm sorry's that may never get spoken. We may not get to say all the goodbyes. And if I don't get to see your smile again, if I don't get another chance to tell you you're beautiful, if I don't get to be there for Christmas dinner or to wrap the presents with the kids, If I'm not there, then I just want you to know one thing. The story is still true. You always be welcome home. Some people will give you a second chance. Some might not. But I know Reverend Alberts was right. give you a second chance. He will always be there, ready for you, waiting for you. And I'll do the same as long as I can. And if not, then I hope that you get this letter. Know that I adore you. You will always be my little girl. With love, Dad. So what started bad for Amanda ended well. Let's stand. We're going to sing together. This may be a song that the captives can't yet sing But if we sing long enough, they might join in with us This may be a dance that's too heavy for those chains But if we dance long enough, well the prisons will open up Shout long enough 
hands up in the air But we know that freedom's coming When we sing it all the more We're singing Oh, oh, oh The redeemed now have a song We'll sing it all day long Till the rest come running home And oh, oh, oh All the broken can you hear We'll shout it out forever Can't wait till you make it here We're singing Oh, 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 oh Send those orphans home, we've been waiting all day long. Oh, ringing robe is ready, we can see them coming now. Just like the prodigal, we're gonna meet them in the road. Oh, oh, oh. the redeemed now have a song. We'll sing it all day long, till the rest come running home. And oh, oh, oh. all the broken can you hear, we'll shout it out forever. Can't wait till you make it here. We're singing. Oh, oh, oh. circumstances of life have overcome you and overwhelmed you and you've lost your passion for God today you can come home for Christmas if you're like that sheep who you're not quite sure what happened you just got busy with life and suddenly you look around and you realize there's a distance between you and God today you can come home for Christmas and today if you're like that prodigal that son who walked away and made a decision. Today, you can take your first step back towards God. And he says, I'll come running towards you. So if you want to come home for Christmas and you want to pray a prayer, and at the end of that prayer, know that your relationship with God is restored, that you will accept the gift that he came to Christmas to give. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I want you to slip your hand up. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I just want to signify that you're going to pray this prayer with me today. If that's you, ready? One, two, three. Go ahead and slip your hand up. I see you. 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 We're going to pray this prayer together. And as we pray this prayer, if this is your first time praying it, I want you to pray it with all of your heart, but let's all pray it together. Say, Father, I stand before you now. And I confess that I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. 
I found myself away from the shepherd. And I want to come home. This Christmas, would you welcome me home? I accept you as my Lord. I accept your price. Your sacrifice that you paid for me. I confess you as Lord. And from this moment on, I'm saved. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Now, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, we want to get you connected. We want to make sure that you find your way to the shepherd and you stay with the shepherd. So there are some resources that we want to give you. So if you stop by Connections on your way out today, uh, they can get you a little salvation box. There's plenty of material to get you connected. If you're watching online, you can click the No God tab and get it that way as well. I'm going to invite Pastor Travis to come, and he's going to serve communion. If you didn't get communion, just go ahead and lift up your hand, and an usher can get that for you. We have somebody up here, gentlemen. Lift up your hand if you didn't get your communion elements. Anyway, thankful for Jesus this morning. Amen. It's a celebratory moment, isn't it? God is alive and well. And I was just about to say we're going to transition into communion, but I don't think that's a transition. It's one in its own, right? The Bible teaches that he was born to die. His commission or his assignment was to leave all glory of heaven to come to be born into a limitless humanity for me. And for you and for us. Amen. Amen. Looks like everybody has their elements. You know, I was thinking what this looked like before Jesus was going to go to the cross. And got all his buddies, his disciples, gathered them together in his room. And he, I don't know if he, like, turned his head, looked at them one by one. But, you know, probably Jesus' eyes were in the flaming fire. So he was looking at, you know, one to the left. But he was looking at Judas as well one of those that were in the room but was lost and he held up this cup and the body was the bread in front of all of them said this is for all of you you can choose to partake or you can choose to pass it by and let it serve the next person but as we're all in the room this morning this is your opportunity to partake of what Jesus did for us so if we peel off the top, it has a piece of loaf that represents his body. And it was the bread that he took that evening before the cross. And take that in your hands, and if you could just break that in your hands. Jesus looked at his disciples, and let's picture him looking at us this morning. And he said these words, this is my body which I choose to break for you. So everything that we're going through, our past, our present, future, it's been taken care of because he chose to break his body for us. If that's not a good God, I don't know what is, and that's the God I choose to serve. So let's partake of his body this morning. You know, the word of God says his blood never loses power. Amen. And I want to do this. 
remember, extend this out in front of you, and I want you to look at it. Don't look at me. I'm just a vessel. And every time the enemy tries to whisper at you, you missed it yesterday. You missed the mark. You fell into sin. You said something that you shouldn't have said. I want you to hold this in front of the enemy and say, but yet my Jesus said it's been paid in full. My Jesus said I am righteous before God, which means I'm in right standing. I could miss it yesterday. I could miss it as I leave the room, and I can miss it tomorrow. But he's so good that he chose to die and be resurrected for me so he can look at Father Judge and say, I paid the price, paid in full. Let's partake. Stay on. All right. Well, we're doing it this way. So one of the traditions that we have done as a church over the last several years is to read the Christmas story. This has become a favorite for many of us. And, uh, you know, I think it's really important that we just read and hear the Christmas story for what it is. Uh, the Jewish people were so good, so faithful of telling the stories from one generation to another generation. So it's so important that we continue to do that. For a child will be born to us, and a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or the peace on the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from them on forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. God sent to Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. 
Gabriel appealed to her in a dream. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her. God has chosen to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you're to name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. But Mary asked the angel, How can I have a baby? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. While Mary was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Don't be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child in her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. He will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This prophecy from Isaiah 7:14 was given 700 years before Jesus was born. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born. And at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout all the Roman Empire. All returned to their own towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled from the village of Nazareth into Galilee and took with him Mary, his wife, who was great with child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. That night, there were shepherds in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. A Savior, yea, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby laying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host from heaven, the armies of heaven praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. The angel left and the shepherds said to each other, Come, let us go to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they ran to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. 
and there was the baby lying in the manger. The shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel of the Lord said to them about this child. All who heard their story were astonished, but Mary kept these things in her heart. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. At the same time came the wise men from the east to Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star that arose and have come to worship him. Now Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as with all of Jerusalem. He called for a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where do the prophets say the Messiah will be born? He asked. In Bethlehem, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judea, you're not just a lowly village of Judea. For a ruler will come to you who will be a shepherd for my people Israel. Now this prophecy found in Micah 5 verse 2 and 2 Samuel 5 verse 2, both were written 700 years before Jesus was born. So Herod sent a message to all the wise men, asking them to come and see him. At this meeting, he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search diligently for the child. And when you find him, come and tell me that I may go and worship him too. After this meeting, the wise men went on their way, and once again the star appeared to them to guide them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Then they saw the star. They were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother were, and they fell down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went another way because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod will try and kill the child. That very night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, that out of Egypt have I called my son. Herod was furious. When he learned the wise men had outwitted him, he sent soldiers to kill all the baby boys in and around Jerusalem who were two years old and under because the wise men had told him that the star had first appeared to them about two years before. Then later when Herod died, God's angel appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, take the child and his mother and return to Israel. All those who wish to murder the child are dead. So Joseph obeyed. He arose and he took the child and his mother and re-entered Israel. 
When he heard, though, that Herod's son had taken over as king of Judea, he was afraid to go there. But then Joseph was directed in a dream to go to the hills of Galilee. On arriving, he settled in the village of Nazareth, fulfilling the words of the prophets, that he shall be called a Nazarene. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. And friends, this is still the story of Christmas. stand with us as we move on to our candlelight lighting. Does everybody have a candle in the building? If you do not have one, would you put your hands up? The ushers will get that to you. Amen. Amen. When Jesus walked the earth, he said this statement to many people who came in contact with. He said, I am the light of the world. Jesus did his earthly duties. He died and resurrected. Some days later, it says he ascended to heaven and he was seated on the left hand of the Father. And many that were still looking at him didn't know what was next. They had all their hopes in this Jesus, but now he was gone. And he makes this statement. Paul gets the revelation in Corinthians. It's, it's Jesus letting us know that he wants to make and appeal through us. And I love that scripture. It's one of my favorite because it gives us a purpose on this earth. We're now called to be his hands and feet. We're now called to be the light of the world. And this is a scripture. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Bear with us as we light ours. We just ask that you receive the candle um, instead of taking it. So if you do not, your candle's not lit, um, just spend that one and then receive it.
church say amen. amen you can go ahead and blow out your candle but just hold on to it before you put it down or otherwise i'll be scrub scrubbing wax off the chairs for the next three weeks amen all right then we're going to go out with one more song